it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stromash, the Scottish NFL podcast. I'm Cameron Hobbs. This is episode 254. I'm back. There's going to be some structure to this bad boy. No, there's not. It'll still be an absolute shambles. Joining me this evening, as ever, Paul Mitchell. Good evening, Paul. Good evening. I would like to point out it wasn't a shambles last week, but that's just the way it goes. But thanks for making me feel welcome. Of course. Uh, Ian Stephen <laughs> and Gordon McGuinness. Gentlemen, we're back together to pick apart the pieces of an eventful week 15. Lots to cover. Right from Thursday night, football's absolute carnage as the Raiders went. Before, balls before, to the, before oh. we get there, sorry, can I just make a very, very important announcement uh, to start this podcast? In honour of the game that is going to take place on Christmas night, can I just say, fuck the San Francisco 49ers. Well, ding dong merrily on high to you as well, eh? Cheerful. Let's take that energy all the way through. Vision's in the back. I need something to focus on. Don't use your voice when you first approach women. Use your normal NFL voice, Cameron. Um, 300 dogs are now currently going up the street in Edinburgh trying to find Cameron's house after being called. As long as they're not gay dogs, then Cameron should be okay. Um, if they could bring me better internet as well, that would be lovely. Still, the internet issues continue. Santa has by letter. There's only one thing on it. Uh, there was two things on it, but we've got the division wrapped up, so that one's done and dusted. I could just focus on the internet. Right, let's get into week 15. Um, Jamie can't join us. He was going to try. Charles isn't here. We wonder why. Let's is get it, into it, though. Is it, is it true that Jamie was going to join, but um, his agent in a lovely Italian suit has actually doubled his appearance fees. We actually can't afford them anymore. <laughs> Forget about it. Um, whoever had under two minutes for Cameron to mention San Francisco, you've won the sweep. Congratulations. Actually, I didn't mention them first. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, no, no, just when you were going to mention them, that's all. Not anybody was... else. Keep throwing. I had to retort. I had to retort. Um. So we we clicked in though some fascinating results. Let's start at the very beginning from Thursday night football and work our way through because, um, the next New Orleans Saints manager just got fired. So Staley is gone. No real surprise there. Uh, sixty three twenty one, absolute humping. 42-0 at halftime. Just uh, beyond anything. Now, obviously, losing Justin Herbert is going to have an impact on your team. But to crumble in the way to Aidan O'Connell and his Raiders, unbelievable stuff, right? Um, was watching it when I was over in the States, was out for my Christmas night out. I thought I was drunk. It's like, that can't be right. It was. What an absolute carnage. And Staley, right, obviously gone. Not a massive surprise, but the general manager's gone. A bunch of coordinators are gone. The Chargers are just getting rid of it all. I, I, the, the pick six by Jack Jones was phenomenal. Saw it, it, like, I don't know if it's something he saw in film ahead of the game or what. It was just something, but he, he absolutely knew where that ball was going and just didn't break stride and took it. Like when you're that close to the quarterback, it's almost hard to intercept it and have it not just be like a batted pass, just to catch it and, and run it in. But that's 
that result is worse than the uh, Dolphins, like seventy to twenty, whatever it was, humping of the of the Broncos earlier in the year. Because the Raiders are not a playoff team. The Raiders aren't a, a good team. They're okay. To lose by that much to a division rival is a sackable offence, and that's exactly what happened. Well, a couple, couple of things spring to mind, Cameron. Justin Herbert, you mentioned, was out. He doesn't play defence. You know, well, it would appear none of the Chargers play defence, if we're being absolutely honest. Uh, secondly, just to say, if anybody had under four minutes for the humble brag about Cameron still being in America last week, you've just won that, that one as well. So that that was nice. We liked that as well. But the, the, the Chargers were just a shit show. Um what benefit does it do? Some people tend to think about just firing your coach. Why not let them see out the season? And I've thought that about other coaches. The only surprise here was that he was allowed to travel back with the team. I mean, he would have been, I, I just cannot believe he wasn't sacked uh, a la Jim Goodwin at Easter Road after Hibbs got beat um, and left to make his own way home. It's, Obviously, the winds of change are happening at the Chargers. The winds of change are happening at the Raiders too. Does Aidan O'Connell actually come into the conversation to take over the Rangers as the number one quarterback in Las Vegas? Probably he's shown start, enough. He'll probably be the starter to start the year. But like, is he? He actually was a, a really good player for one season in college, and I do think this is quite a fascinating thing. Whereby Brock Purdy in college was really good i'm just getting the brock purdy reference in before you can cameron so you don't get screwed on that one as well uh brock purdy was amazing in his freshman season at iowa state and then he was just all right to not very good the rest of his career but i do think there probably is something to if you see one season of high level play from a quarterback getting them in as a fourth fifth sixth seventh round pick and seeing what they're like in an nfl structure is probably a really interesting thing to do um and also, they're not going to pick high enough to land Caleb Williams or Drake May. So, realistically, being in a position where you take Aiden O'Connell and then maybe you spend a second, third, or fourth round pick on another quarterback, it's probably not a bad, not a bad shout. If you look at his performances as well, now he, he was part of that absolutely horrible three 0 game against the Vikings just days before. Right? Let's be honest, days before, four days between that and scoring sixty three. Uh, they lost to the Chiefs, but, you know, he wasn't horrible in that one. Um, they lost to the Dolphins, maybe not so hot there. And then the other one was they beat the Jets, and, and he was okay. But I, I guess it's one of those ones where how does he take that performance and continue to to push forward? Are, are the Raiders absolutely out of the postseason conversation as things stand? I, I think I mean, there's still an average. I- Opportunity, right, but it's pretty slim. Yeah, yeah, like the Bengals at seven and seven, I think, need to win out to realistically make the playoffs. The Raiders are not mathematically out of it, I don't think, but like they're they're out of it. Next three games: Chiefs, Colts, Broncos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're out. Of it. <laughs> but even <laughs> even if even if they were winnable, I'm not sure nine and eight gets you in the playoffs. And I think I think they've got eight losses. Is that right? I'm not making. Uh, yeah, they're six and eight. Yeah, they're six and I, eight. I don't think 9-8 is getting you into the playoffs in the AFC. Moving on then, we had three Saturday games as the Saturday games start to commence. As the, the Let's be honest, the schedule from here on in is an absolute shambles. Just check on a daily basis because there might be a game today. It might have been due to take place on Monday. It might be happening tomorrow. Who knows? But the Bengals-Vikings game started off 
and I, I think I posted this in the Patreon chat, that it was absolutely haufen. Um, It was rotten as a game. You know, 7-3 at the break, not a lot to get excited about. And then it just goes off. A, a brilliant second half. Um, the Vikings extend the lead to 17-3. Then the Bengals have one hell of a comeback. Got to give some, and then obviously win in overtime. Love the scene of Jake Browning smashing down the helmet and shouting, you shouldn't have fucking cut me. He might be next year's BBC personality of the year. Uh, different conversation. But <laughs> um, it was, it, stories like that are fantastic. Obviously the Vikings cut him. He goes back to beat them. That's exactly the story what, you want. So what annoys me about those stories though is, so the Bengals fans now are all over the like, oh, what a guy. Oh, blah, blah. This is the same Bengals fans who were absolutely furious when Joe Burrow was injured at the start of the year and maybe wasn't ready at the start of the season. We can't go into the season with Jake Brown as our backup quarterback. There's no backup solution. And all of a sudden now he's played well for a couple of weeks and they're pretending that never happened and Jake Browning's always been this good backup quarterback. I, any backup that comes in and unexpectedly does well is going to have that same narrative that goes with them. Jesus! What was that? <laughs> the Icelandic volcanic eruption is spread to here. Paul microphone breathed in his microphone. And if you if you had uh, eight minutes for Paul Mitchell breathing into his microphone, you win the sweepstake. I have uh, uh, a really sore throat. I've got possibly not feeling too great, but I turn up, you know, but hey, you get no thanks for that. You get no thanks when you don't turn up. You get no thanks when you do turn up. Don't worry about me. I'll be here over in the corner, sitting quietly, heavy breathing once every eight minutes, just so I can get oxygen into my lungs. But as long as you boys are fine, that's Good. okay. Good. That's fine. This I'm glad. Podcast <laughs> is built on nothing. Podcast is built on nothing but abuse. Let's be perfectly honest. Um, on, on the Bengals, though, like, I do... I do think it is quite important. I think it's been really important for Zach Taylor as a coach to show what they have since Joe Burrow went out. Like, I don't think they make the playoffs because I don't think even winning out gets them in. And that would, winning out means they have to beat the Chiefs. So I don't necessarily think they do that. Chiefs and the Browns and the Steelers maybe Steelers feels like doable. Week, they, they should, yeah. But given the fact that people, including myself, were very much, eh, he's not that good a coach. Joe Burrow kind of made that team like what they've done since Joe Burrow went down, I think has helped kind of galvanize people around him if they weren't already. Next up on the Saturday night schedule that we had last week, Colts Steelers, the aforementioned Pittsburgh team who Are find themselves in, in the gutter, <laughs> in the gutter, still seven and seven, still seven and seven, which is, Quite something, but a really poor performance. Um, Gardner Minshew is, for me, is still one of the most entertaining backups in the NFL. Like, if a quarterback goes out and Gardner Minshew comes in, I'm like, do you know what? This game is still worth watching because Gardner Minshew can do some shit. He can also do some shite. Uh, and between the two things, there is oft a good quarterback and sometimes not. This was good, Garner, that came out in this one, uh, and I thought they were very impressive. The The situation with the Steelers, though, obviously, is he suspended for the season? Is that right? Is that being... I believe so, yep. So, a nasty hit, some unpleasant scenes on Pittman. You know, obviously, there was a lot of cutting away, not really showing the, what had actually happened to him until, thankfully, right. he got up and walked right. off the field. This, this is starting to annoy me, right? In this country, 
I pay money to watch the NFL. I don't pay money for you not to show something that's happened because you're a bit sensitive, okay? That is why I love... Can you imagine showing the heavyweight box and saying, listen, we're not going to show that replay because he punched him in the face? <laughs> it's the NFL. If it happens, you show it. And I'm sorry, if it's too gory, then maybe you've got the wrong advertisers that are then complaining they, about they it. Did it with, they did it with Will Levis, and it turns out he's just got a high ankle sprain. It was like, yeah. oh, we're, we're not, we're not going to show you this one because it was a particularly bad injury. It's a fucking high ankle sprain. Like... That don't don't show it if it looks like someone is flat out out cold. Don't show it, you know, the Demar Hamlin situation. Don't show if it looks like a serious neck injury. Fine, but like high ankle sprains, you can you can show that again. They were pretty quick to show the guy on the sidelines with the Saints game with Kamara running to with his flappy leg, and I'll be honest, him howling at the top of his voice. I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> like I was surprised they showed that. That was worse. If we're watching the CBS broadcast and it's Tony Romo and they go, let's cut to the Minnesota Vikings walks party in Palestine. Oh, oh no, we can't show that. Let's cut away again. Sorry, we can't show a replay of what you saw there. Fair enough. That's controversial. Maybe not what you expect during an NFL game. But if somebody gets popped pretty hard and it hurts, it's, it's a sport. It's what people tune in for. It's part of the action. I think it I mean it's obviously it's, it's the match director who has the final call. It's entirely up to the match director, and if he deems it unsuitable, then it's unsuitable. I don't but have it, a problem with it. If it's unsuitable, it, it shouldn't be shown on television at all. It, they should not be broadcast in the NFL because serious injuries happen in every single game. On the so on the um, like you talk about whether or not we should see things and yeah. You know, or oh, is this appropriate to see in the NFL field? The Pittsburgh Steelers are getting to the point whereby there's been enough incidents this season whereby a lot of their players, it feels like they don't really want to be on an NFL field. The one I just saw before we came on, I'm looking at just now, and it's Brooke Pryor, who's a reporter for ESPN. George Pickens on why he didn't block for Jalen Warren. I was just trying to prevent the Tank Dell situation. The same thing that happened to him. I didn't want to get an injury. When you stay on the block too low, you can get ran up on very easily. So, like, it's a play where he literally just doesn't block the the right cornerback, and he comes in and and hits Jalen Warren. That's now like there was a fumble. I think it was Deontay Johnson just turned and walked away, just had no interest in being involved in it. Like that. That's the part. The Steelers being seven and seven, and their fans are in uproar wanting Mike Tomlin gone. I think is really silly because that roster is not much above, you know, nine and eight. Um, and if they finish with eight wins, I think that's absolutely fine. But the thing that does justify the potential change at head coach is some of the players are just not playing. So ridiculous question for you, Gordon, because I always like to ask you a ridiculous question. So here it goes. If the Steelers release Mike Tomlin at the end of the season, how many NFL teams would want him as their head coach? Every single team that had a vacancy apart from the Steelers. All of them. Yeah. Other yeah. than the team that picks up Belichick. Yes. Yeah. Chargers would take him. Who, who else has had head coach? Raiders would take him. So can I take it a step further? Who would be willing to fire their head coach to allow Mike Tomlin to come in? Do you think that's a, a much bigger list? Panthers. Uh, yeah, anyone Commanders. That, anyone that didn't make the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. 
So, and the, so the reason for asking is obviously to set into context, you know, that a lot of Steelers fans are very, very unhappy. Um, I, I think that falls into the the Man United section of fans being unhappy that they've not won something for, what, a handful of years and all of a sudden it, life is terrible. The, um, fan bases lack context. Ravens fans were the exact same way about Harbaugh the first half of the 2018 season. And then Joe Flacco got hurt. They put in Lamar Jackson. It got exciting again. Everyone was fine with it. And then they had a really good 2019. So I just think... I, the the problem is I don't think it's a particularly talented roster outside of a couple of high-level players. Like, defense has got a lot of good players on it. On offense, like, Kenny Pickett doesn't look like he's going to be a franchise quarterback so far. George Pickens, as much as everyone likes to make a lot of noise about him, is an okay number two wide receiver. Deontay Johnson is probably more of a number two wide receiver. Like, they they spent a first round pick on Najee Harris and Jalen Warren's a better running back than him. So I I would be more concerned about getting good players in there than I would be about getting rid of a head coach who has consistently shown over the years to get more out of his roster than he probably should. The biggest problem with head coaches when they become tenured for a very long time and successful is that all of the assistant coaches that they've had as they've came up. So when, when you move through the ranks of, of a NFL, starting off as an intern, you go like quality control, and blah, 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 move your way all the way through. When you're doing that, you know everybody from roughly the same kind of uh, age group or position level, and you know who's a good assistant coach. And when you put your staff together, you bring these guys in with you. And a lot of times teams are successful, head coaches are successful because they put in place a fantastic coaching staff. And then what happens is you win the Super Bowl and then people poach that coaching staff. Look at Mike Holmgren when they won the Packers and everybody that came out of that tree or um, if you look at Parcells or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, look at 49ers in the 80s. The problem that coaches like Tomlin and Belichick then have is they lose touch with who's a good assisted coach to bring in. So Belichick ends up not being able to appoint anybody as his defensive coordinator, and he ends up with his son, Will Mullet, being his defensive coordinator because he doesn't know who else. It's the same, Tomlin's got the same problem. He's, he's, his coordinators move on. So a lot of times it's not a case of the head coaches not being good anymore. It's just a case of the head coaches not knowing who they can bring on their staff to help actually be quality assistant coaches. Do you think then that Tomlin's going to struggle no matter where he goes, Ian? No, because when he moves on to another team, the other team will have different agents getting in touch with different guys that used to be head coaches that wanted to become coordinators who whose egos have settled and they'll they'll be able to move back into one of those coordinator roles. He might take a sabbatical, might be out for a year and use that year to go around and learn more. Um some coaches do that. So unless he's a complete and utter egomaniac and just thinks he can do everything his entire own way, then he'll be successful near of any team that he, he goes to that's what the, the the year off thing I think probably is quite important if he does get the boot like that's what Frank Reich's issue was this year I think like that's a guy who needed a year out and didn't didn't get a year out and all of a sudden you're right back in it and 
you know, you want to get you. I think it's important for coaches to clear their head after things have not worked out. But I, I'm not that confident in the Steelers get rid of Tomlin. I think they're a really like they don't have a history of doing that. No, they've they've had what like four head coaches in history in their history. It's it's not a or a, a very small number of head coaches since um, Chuck Knoll, I think it was the guy before Bill Cower. So I don't see it. I, th- I think to your point, Gordon, I don't think you could name many franchises who've had, you could go back and name all the coaches over the last 40 years. I mean, it is such a solid uh, base. The only thing is he might choose, he might fancy a new start somewhere. Uh, does Belichick take a year off or at his age? <laughs> does he just want to go straight into another another role? I think, again, if he parts ways with New England, which is supposed to be the way how many teams would be willing to speak to him and then fire their own head coach to get him in? On to the rest of the games. I'm leaving that as a rhetorical question. Um, we move on to the Lions and the Broncos. The Lions very much back now, for now. The Broncos surprising in how poor they looked in that one. Not really. I think, you know, they've won a lot of games. There was always going to be a dip at some point. Conversely, the Lions, I think, needed this an awful lot more than the Broncos did. And I, I thought that showed. But I can't believe of the Saturday games that you're talking, you're not going straight to the Panthers-Falcons. I mean, That's that Sunday. Just... That was Sunday. Was that a... That's no, why. No, that was Sunday. Uh, that was Sunday. Apologies. I'm, I'm looking at the wrong day, to be honest. I'm, but even then, what, why, why ignore such a great game? I mean, tickets were going for as you know as much as forty-five cents. Um, you know, so bigger people could buy two and get comfy. It's great. Allah, and if and if you had Paul skipping past Sean Payton having a bad night as a head coach for thirty minutes into the podcast, you win the sweepstakes. <laughs> um, There's no fooling you, is there? I, no fooling you. I think you're right, though. Like the Lions needed that, and Jared Goff needed that because he'd very much come off the boil. Um, when they play like that, they can score enough points to beat anyone in yeah. the NFL. It's just... They can't just, always play like that. I just don't trust them to do that consistently over the next five, six games like they need to. So I, 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 will, I will forever remain a, a Lions doubter as long as they have Jared Goff at quarterback. I, I, I want to address Paul's point. I think it's actually quite prevalent um, the NFL's announcing last week that they're going to be looking at expanding into other markets so Brazil is going to be touted as getting a game you're, you're looking at Germany getting a few games etc etc and you'll get a lot of people that argue against it saying oh there's not enough interest in countries like Germany and Brazil to warrant having like a NFL game brought over there every year and you just look at the Carolina game before people turn it up. And you, think, you could you could host a game in Coat Bridge. Seriously, you could host it in Albion Rover Stadium and there'd be more people turning up to watch than at that Carolina Atlanta Falcons game. You've got absolutely no excuses whatsoever to actually take franchises away from some cities in the States and start awarding them to just random places around the world. I think I think we should have the New Delhi Panthers. I think India should get given that franchise, taking it away from North Carolina, and it should go to India. That would be one hell of a jet lag on the way home. 
It's well, a London, is he? Yeah, they should have. They should have turned up to watch the team, shouldn't they? I'm sorry, turn up and watch the team, and you'll lose it. I don't I, it blame. Was... I don't blame anyone who had a ticket and did not go to that game. That that game. So, what was the game we had? Patriots. What, who was the? Was it Patriots Steelers that we had recently? And we were like, "Oh, this um, game is going to be dreadful." And it was actually it was great. Yeah, it was yeah. Decent, yeah, yeah. Like this game was a game that going in, you knew was going to be bad. And it somehow was even worse. Like there was, yes. there was no. The Panthers didn't even seem that excited to win the game. Like there really wasn't any kind of redeeming quality in that game whatsoever, apart from the fact that it's never not funny to look up at the TV when Atlanta are playing, and Cordrell Patterson, who it seems like has barely touched the ball all season, runs in for a rushing touchdown during the fantasy playoffs when people have had Bijan Robinson starting and he had like what nine yards or something like that. Like Arthur Smith's whole whole thing this season, I think, has been piss off people playing fantasy football as goal number one, try and win the NFC South number two. And given what the NFC South looks like, it's probably not a bad order to do that in if you're going to try and do both. And I, I for one, welcome that approach. I do like Can anything I... that annoys people. He's only he's only one game back. This is the thing. If if they had won. They would be in seven, 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 and you're actually looking at a scenario where, in theory, you could have two teams coming out of the NFC South into the postseason. Here's, uh, here's, here's I, the I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Go, no, just, I wouldn't wish. You just go. I think the award for the best coverage of this goes to bizarrely, the Daily Star, who put up a picture of the stadium with people inside it. In every level, in every section, not many, and underneath the caption said, the Panthers played in front of an empty stadium. Now, I hate to be picky, but in that picture I could see people, which means it wasn't empty. But they reckon the attendance was 5,200, but the official attendance was given as 70,000 because, and we, we take the piss out of this, most of the tickets were actually sold. A lot of the tickets were in the resale market. So most of the tickets were actually sold. So, And it was cold, it was wet, it was miserable. We get all of that, right. and people most, simply didn't most, want to go. Most of the tickets were resold on the Celtic website. Oh, it's a double seller. <laughs> Forty-five cents is the cheapest I saw one for. That's the, that, that, that's the thing. No, see if you you. Do you I mean you know how much season tickets cost in the NFL? They're extortionate, and you only get eight or nine home games a season. So even though your team's rubbish and the weather's not great, you're probably you're probably more inclined to turn up because you'd be. A waste of one, and you never know what can happen. It's the NFL. You might end up getting one of those uh, Las Vegas Raiders performances, and your team puts up sixty points. You don't know that. But maybe, that... maybe it begs the question: Why are the architects in America so stubborn, refusing to put up any form of covering for fans in stadia, or? Everything's covered. There's no in between. There's no like uh, covering over a stand. It's like you're either fully enclosed in a, in a dome or you're getting absolutely nothing and you're exposed to the weather. I as well can't think of an, and you guys might well shoot me down quickly. I can't think of another sport in the world where you see attendances drop to that low for a competitive game. Surely baseball. There must be baseball games. 
Oh, Paul's Paul's on mute. I have. But he's, I think, he's gesticulating this, wildly. This was, this was his Sorry, moment. I was, I was, this I was, was his was, moment, and he's missed it. it. <laughs> the Saudi Football League had 144 people. But did, it. but does it ever have big attendances though? What I mean is like well, a crash you're looking from... at well, if you if you look at percentage terms, you're looking at that. I think the it was four or five thousand was their normal. So to go down to 144, yes. But I, I mean, Gordon's point is right. You get the occasional baseball game that gets two or three thousand simply because of the, the state like of middle, the franchise. Well, yeah, also, and they also play half like twelve on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> And it's something, and it's because they played the night before, and they're doing a double ender as well. Not a double ender. That's something else. Well, uh, I don't think he to do that, Cameron. <laughs> Cameron, what you and the disability dogs get up to is up to you. It's your choice. I feel like uh, Ian missed his moment there as well. Was, get his camera off. <laughs> um, I was just having to escort my dog out because I was a bit worried in case you saw him. Oh, uh, God. Right, we've only got to Saturday. Uh, in fact, we've got the first game on Sunday. And I've not even got to the awards yet. Let's continue and let's look at some of the other games that took place then. We'll skip over some. Uh, I only listened, I'll be honest, I only listened to some of the 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 pod that you guys recorded last week. I did listen to Charles uh, trying to justify that he's never bigged up the Packers at any point this season, you which I feel is revisionist. You listen to every single word with a fine tooth comb and removed about 64% of what I said. So don't even try <laughs> and be blasé. Oh, yeah, I don't listen to the podcast. Oh no, I was given I was given a play sheet. Hang on, hang on. That sounded like an absolutely tremendous Charles Patterson impression by you. <laughs> the defense. Um so, so Cameron, can I just interrupt? Just for the yes. benefit of all our listeners, and if you're new to our podcast, we do have what's coming up at the end of the year, our annual Pishcast. I would just like to point out this is not a preview of the Pishcast, apart from Cameron, who's drinking white wine because he's an Edinburgh snob, but that's just the way it goes. Gordon's got beer, but got, he's, in Lan- co- he's in co- Lanarkshire, co- so um, yeah. <laughs> The... So Gordon, Gordon would have gone somewhere and stolen that beer earlier on today. So it's quite nice that he's drinking it here. Exactly. <laughs> um, Packers, Buccaneers. What a mess on both sides of the ball, pretty much. But the defense really shambolic on this one. Tell you we're, what. Talking, we're talking about Packers, not the Bucks. Yeah. yeah. The Packers. Tell, tell you what. Charles Patterson's suddenly glad that the NFC isn't as good as the AFC, isn't he? <laughs> Six and eight, and they'd be done in the AFC. Six and eight in the NFC, and they can probably still afford to lose another game. And they're, they're listen. I don't think they will. Has so, right. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this. He has not bigged up, and he's not here. And I can hear him now already saying the counterpoint to this: the last three games for the Packers are against the Panthers, the Vikings, and the Bears. They should win all three of those games. They should. They probably won't. They'll probably go two and one. Fine, but. Like for me, this the thing that is that they should, and I can hear Patterson already going. There's no way that they can have this terrible impersonation. He's going but... to talk about. He's going to be like, there was there was no expectation of playoffs this season. Yeah, anyway. you it said was... I should be pushing for more than eight and nine and all that and all that. So, what you were saying then is they're going to finish eight and nine if it's going to be two and one from what, here. What I will say, yeah, I think so. What I will say for the the Packers as a as a kind of like defense for them, I guess, is 
Which is more than they've got. Yes, which they don't they don't have. Uh Baker Mayfield did make some pretty decent throws in that game. The defense was really bad, but the the def- uh, Baker Mayfield did play pretty well as well. So like I don't think they're gonna get that level. Baker Mayfield played pretty well. Well, I mean, like... Baker Mayfield played pretty well. <laughs> My God, you're hard to please, Gordon. Man, Jesus, get... Jesus was all an all right guy, you know. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, saying he played pretty well is probably the right balance between the Packers' defense was absolutely abysmal and Baker Mayfield had the greatest quarterback uh, game of all time. It's somewhere in the middle. He played pretty well. Their defense was pretty bad. That's what you get. It wasn't even in the middle. He just played a perfect game. Yeah, he could have done any better. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You only, sorry. You no. only play was this what, is, why, this is because why, he used to play for the Browns. This is not even I, be- I like as a as a uh, PFF guy, Baker Mayfield was our before Joe Burrow came along, I think he was the highest uh, we'd re- ever ranked a, a quarterback hidden in the draft. He wasn't perfect, though. This is a flaw in the NFL's pass rating system. He went 22 of 28. So there were six incompletions in there. So if he only had five incompletions, his pass rating would still be 158.3. If he went 28 for 28 and the other six the other six passes were touchdowns, so he finished the game with 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions, what would his NFL pass rating be? 158.3. Stupid rating system. I don't think we should have any form of rating systems whatsoever. They're purely subjective. They're a waste of time. And anyone uses some sort of subscription model to charge people for access to these made-up ratings should immediately, immediately, they should be subject to judiciary proceedings for fraud. Can I come to Gordon's rescue here and just step ahead and say Gordon thought Christian McCaffrey did all right this week. So j- just to throw that in. We'll get to the bucket of scorn that's coming his way later. You're a hard um, man to please, Gordon. You are a hard man to please. You are a hard man to please. Let's uh, talk about someone that used to please you that doesn't please you anymore, Joe Flacco. Uh, as the Browns beat the Bears, uh, Darnell Mooney had the perfect opportunity to hail, catch that Hail Mary and instead booted the fuck out of it uh, and then <laughs> away it went. So there you go. The... Joe Flacco, just so the Joe Flacco thing that I think is really quite funny. One, uh, like there's there's very few players that I think clutch actually is like a true thing. But Joe Flacco throughout his career, even when he's been rank average during the regular season and rank average through quarters one to three, all of a sudden, like when the game's on the line, he just becomes a different player. And he was he was phenomenal at the end of that game. The yeah, other thing that I think is brilliant is going to the Browns. Twitter account and scroll through the last couple of weeks. Compare that with the past two years. And you tell me that's not a social media team who are delighted to have a quarterback that they can actually big up. Like the 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 team are so excited about him. The players are so excited about them. This is a guy they signed off the street at the end of the season because their third string quarterback got hurt and they had to have some kind of additional backup in there. The guy I would like to think a guy that's made a hundred million in the earnings doesn't live on the street, Gordon. I would like to think he has some <laughs> sort of abode. Well, fine. Maybe he owns a whole street. And that's yeah, why he's maybe. living on it. Maybe. Um, but that entire 
franchise apart from the three people involved in trading and signing to Sean Watson are delighted that they have a quarterback who's half decent and he's been better than Sean Watson was, but someone that they can actually be like, do you know what? We can put our quarterback on an interview, he can talk, and we can leave the comments open on social media, and we can look at the comments, and it's not going to make us want to throw our laptops out the window. So in summary, <laughs> Joe Flacco, not very rapey. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's we'll move on. perfectly correct. You can't, we can't get credit for that one. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to phone us up. Actually, you'll find when I was in college. <laughs> right, Dolphins, Jets. The Dolphins won. The Jets scored nothing. Uh, the quarterback shambles continues. The Dolphins didn't have to try. Here's here are the real Jets quarterback shambles. Is Aaron Rodgers told his good pal Pat McAfee today that. 14 weeks removed from surgery and my Achilles, you know, it's just not realistic for me to be ready to play football. Then why the fuck have you spent the past two months going, like, throwing up wee suggestions, maybe Christmas Eve is when I'll be back, maybe, oh, maybe this is the week I'll play? Absolute nonsense. He was never coming back anytime soon. Ball bag behaviour. I, I agree, that is definitely ball bag behaviour. To wait until you're basically, your team's got no chance and then go, do you know what, I'm just going to rest out. Be man enough to stand up and go, do you know what, I could have pushed myself to get back, but given the way the season's gone, it's not worth the risk. Brilliant. Do you know what, fair enough, that's uh, fine, great. But yeah, to spin it up like, oh, it's not realistic to think I'd be back. Yeah, shut up, you clown. You've been flapping on about it since the day you bloody did the injury. Yeah. I agree. But the Dolphins, though, I, that was good for them to have a big game without Tyreek Hill. Yes, like Jalen Waddle having a Jalen Waddle had a. He showed a very. He's a very capable wide receiver, and actually should maybe get more targets, uh, and it might open up things for Tyreek Hill. But it shows that there's depth there. Again, the running back committee did what they needed to do. That Jets defense has been decent. They didn't really need to get out of second gear. I don't think the Dolphins, but. They still looked decent anyway. Patriots Chiefs are interesting one. The Patriots gave the Chiefs much more of a game than I was anticipating. The Chiefs also just not... There's like 7 out of 10 at best at the moment. Is this just an off year? Or is this going to be a case where the Chiefs are going to get into the postseason, win their division, and still end up in the Super Bowl? Look at their schedule. And then look at the Ravens' schedule. And then look at the Dolphins' schedule. And... We're going to have spent half the year talking about how the Chiefs just aren't the same. They're just not really, they're not up to scratch. They're not that good. And they're going to wind up backdooring their way into the number one seed. And they'll probably go to the Super Bowl again. It's going to be, an, it's going to be really annoying if they, go, if they go back to the Super Bowl. Just, they're just whinging all the time. Travis Kelsey flopping in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they finish, they'll finish on 12 and 5, right? So the Ravens only need to win one game, right? And they would, they need to win two because of the divisional record. Yes. Right. We'll talk about it later, but weirdly, the Ravens 49ers game is the least important game on either team's schedule the rest of the way. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. It's fine. That's a game. It's a gimme game. We'll have a gimme game. We're both both in the postseason. We don't need to worry about it. You just have to be at the dance. Tickets already there. The other games to talk about, let's scan over quite quickly. Titans, Texans, Texans continue. The Titans, obviously, Will Levis at moments look good and then at other moments not so good. 
The Texans, with their backup, continue to win out. That's a really interesting division, actually. I'm going to touch on that just now, very, very briefly, because the Jags, uh, the Colts, if we look at the remaining fixtures, Colts have got Falcons, Raiders, and Texans. Texans have got Browns, Titans, and Colts. Jags have got Bucks, Panthers, and Titans. There is a... There's a two-in-one there for all of them, I think, that makes this really, really interesting. And you could have three teams out of this division in the postseason, right? Maybe. In theory, could we, mathematically? Probably not, because uh, one of Texan, one of the Texans and Colts has to lose. So they, they both can't go 3-0, and and I think realistically... So they could all finish 10-7. and seven. Because of the schedule, right? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe then. Maybe you do get all three of them going in. So let's go back through it, right? Texans play the Colts. So fine, like there's a one or one or t'other. Um, they play the Titans and the Browns. So beat those two, lose to the Colts. Colts beat the Texans and the Raiders, but somehow lose to the Falcons. That's They could actually go 3-0. and And then the Jags... The Jags could go three and zero. The Colts could go three and zero, and the te- Texans could go two and one. And you yeah. could have three teams ten, in the postseason. Ten and seven is not going to be a gimme for the playoffs in the AFC, no. though. No. Like that. That's where the Bengals are set, sat with a scenario whereby they probably have to go three and zero because two and one, they don't have enough tiebreakers. Again, they lose the tiebreaker against most teams in that situation. I think. Fine. Uh, moving on, other games. Niners, Cardinals. Niners wrap up the division. Let's touch on it briefly. Um, it was a bit of a wobbly start again. Cardinals came out the traps flying, but then San Francisco got it going. I got shot down by you rightly in the end because I was a bit worried because we lost McCaffrey and then Purdy. Fucking two places. One place. I, I get it, but at that point, you don't know that. And we've seen so many injuries over the years that I was like, oh, no. Uh, I mean, that's catastrophic. You lose Purdy and you lose uh, McCaffrey and forget it, right? And and they did not lose. lose. And they didn't lose either. So Sam I... Darnold came in and was flinging it, which was giving me the fear, but fine. Thankfully, we all, Purdy came back. We all should probably prepare for Brock Purdy MVP. And I don't think I even... Like, I hated it at the start of the year because I don't think his performance actually matched the stats. I think he's actually playing a lot better just now and as much as it's a case of this is a very good roster he also i think is elevating it a little bit and for a team as good as they are that actually probably matters quite a bit like jimmy garoppolo with this team i don't think can win the super bowl i think they probably can with brock purdy so there is enough of a difference there and there's no there's no one else who's like a great MVP frontrunner this year. It's still held probably yeah. the number two. The problem with that argument is if you're making Brock Purdy MVP for the NFL, the question is then, well, why not a long snapper? And it's probably actually a very, very pertinent argument. Maybe I, th- we'll start to I think that's very harsh on Brock Purdy. Uh, well, well, I think it's very harsh on long snappers. They don't get any form of recognition. We've never had a long snapper win NFL MVP. Some of them might have been flawless their entire career. <laughs> it's true, but it's very hard to measure that statistically. Very difficult to measure, but we know yeah, statistics are made up. 
Cameron, I feel like we should point out we did skip over the Saints Giants. Uh, so oh, Saints, so we did. Sorry. The Saints beat the Giants. Uh, that wasn't a good game. No, yeah. but Jamie Gillen scored a field goal. So we'll drink to that. Good for you, Jamie. Well done, sir. Obviously, was a kicker. Uh, both sides of the ball, both sides of the ball, punting and kicking at college. So it wasn't completely inexperienced. But, but they, didn't, they didn't have confidence in him. They had linemen out practicing <laughs> at halftime. They did. Just in case, oi, I think he, oi, he was following a little... Sorry, what? Hey, come on. The Saints win 24-6. to 6. Derek Carr actually does his job and throw a few touchdowns, and you guys are obsessed with the team that got six points. Jeez. That's I all I'm saying. Obsessed. It was... They lost. Typical classless Saints doing the uh, Italian gesture every time he got sacked. Hey, I thought that, that was... That was good. That was, that was good. Forget low, about it. Low-hanging fruit. Forget about just, it. You know. Was that a bit racist? I mean, I every, to, to quote the musical, everything's a little bit racist, Ian. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, yes, the the Saints won, and again, we come back to the fact that seven and seven, seven and seven. It's a interesting division, right? <laughs> Someone's just walked into Paul's room as he's recording this, just as he utters the phrase, "Everything's a little bit racist." <laughs> <laughs> um, incidentally, Avenue Q, if you haven't seen it, oh. that's, that's this week's musical recommendation of the week, courtesy of the Shamash podcast. The Saints play the Rams, the Bucks, and the Falcons to close out. So the Bucks, obviously, there's not going to be, it might come down to that. It's the, the Bucks have got the Jags, the Saints, and then the Panthers. Do you know what? It's, I'm going to say this is who's at advantage? Who, what's a tougher game? What's a tougher combo? The Bucks playing the Jags and the Panthers, or the Saints playing the Rams and the Falcons? Which which two would you rather have before the end of the season? The the Saints playing like their biggest rival is a harder game because you can always they throw records out the window and all that stuff, as cliched as that is. I also think the, the Buccaneers are getting the Jaguars at the best possible time. So Advantage Bucks. It's, pro- it's probably going to be the Saints, though. Like it's always felt like they were going to win the division, nine yeah. and eight, eight and nine, something like that. That actually sounds really good fun. Just throwing records out the window. Michael Jackson <laughs> filler. Wee. I thought you said filler there, not thriller. But it could have been. Anyway, right. Um, Rams Commanders. Rams got it done. Was a little bit closer than it probably should have been. Still in the playoff hunt. Yep. Stafford's played um, really well as well. He has played very well. He's got all these weapons back, which definitely helps. And the fact that they've got a running back that seems to be capable has definitely elevated that. First decent running back since Todd Gurley. So that's improved things there. Jaguars, Ravens. Hang Gordon. on, hang on. Don't skip Cowboys, Bills. Oh, shit. I keep mis- I'm looking at this in a funny order. Cowboys, Bills. Bills are good. I- a very good game. Bills were tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Performance of the week, I think, goes to them. The, uh, I, them are the Raiders. Them are the Raiders. <laughs> can I then dial back? Gordon, you mentioned Brock Purdy for MVP. Is Dak taking himself out of that because of the way he played the other night? Or is that just a blip for him? Gordon. Uh, 
I'm going to be honest, I actually looked away for a second there, so I missed you saying that. So what, what was that again? <laughs> did Dak take did himself I, out? No, no, oh, no hang, yeah, hang, yeah. On, hang, Dak, hang Dak on. You, you looked away for a second, but you still had your headphones on, which has got the, <laughs> the sound that's going into I, them. I can't do two things at once. It, it, I also have... Like, right. We're going to say, I, see if I'm reading something, I can't listen. It's and, a real and, issue. Roz does this thing whereby she'll like try and have a conversation with me while I'm trying to type a WhatsApp yeah. out or I'm watching something. And I'm like, I stop. And she was like, you don't need to stop. And I'm like, no, I do. Because I cannot do this while you're talking to me. Yes. I have this thing where Alison will in. say, mid-sentence, are you listening? And I'll just focus on what I'm doing. Yes, I'm listening. Because it's drilled into me. And then she'll go, what did you say? And I can never answer what she said. And I'm always in the wrong. It's a, it's a, it's an actual disability, right? Um, ask your question, Paul. The the question is oh, a yes. simple one. Dak Prescott, yeah. did he? Yes, yes, he's he's out of the running for MVP now. You have to win your division to be MVP. It's very he can still win the division. It's very unlikely they win the division though. The Eagles have to lose. I think <laughs> the Eagles are going to lose again, which we'll talk about in a bit. But yes. The, the, the it's very impressive though. Like, uh, and again, there was shots fired at me at the Patreon group about I had slated the run game at the start of the season, but credit where it's due. I think the run game has been tremendous. I think that James Cook had a brilliant day. And we'll get onto this when we talk about Belter, but th- this was back to that gritty Bills where they were running the ball, and that's where they're best. Like I, when that threat is there. That's where they're best. And I always felt like that's what I held them back because it felt like only Allen was the one running. And if you covered him, the running back would maybe I, get you bits here and there. But Cook looks lightning and has really grown as a player. I think the Bills have always been this good a team this year, though. And it's just, I think what people sometimes forget about American football, especially because it's an American sport. And when you compare it to the other big American sports in hockey, basketball, baseball, lacrosse, they're, they're lacrosse. They're long seasons whereby you play. 100 plus games you know baseball's what 182 games something like that and over the course of a season like variance in the bounce of the ball doesn't really matter in the nfl when it's a 17 game regular season sometimes you just get a bit unlucky you have a game where you're a bit off and over a three or four game series you would be fine and you would win that series but you lose that one game and the the big thing that's changed for the bills is that josh allen is running the ball more now and that's important because he's, I think, as sac- as sacrilegious as this for me to say, as much as I love Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen in the NFL is such a devastating runner because he's powerful as well as being pretty athletic. So the fact that they now, if the Dolphins lose one game against the Ravens and Cowboys, the Bills win their next two games, that AFC East game, Week 18... Mark it in your calendars for Sunday night football because that's where it's going to be. It's massive. It's absolutely, I was just going to say, it's between now and the end of the season, this is the single one matchup that's got the biggest possible impact on the outcome of the AFC Super Bowl contender. If the Bills end up winning that division, I think at worst, they'll have to travel to Kansas City. Uh, and I think yeah. there's a chance that they do have to travel to Kansas City. I think they'll, the Dolphins, they'll probably, though, they'll went out. If, sorry. If they- if the if the if the Bills win that division, it's probably as the three seed, at which point they're only travelling. A divisional round they'll have to go to and in fact they probably won't have to go to um yeah, they'd have to go to what Baltimore or Kansas City in the divisional round. But then 
like potentially host the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Um, There's a couple of things I noticed from watching that game. Um, first of all, I hate the camera angle at the Bills. It reminds me of 1990s Highbury. Yeah. It's exactly, exactly the right comparison to make. It's exactly the right comparison. Also, what? how can I refer to people who offer romantic services for money and you'll still allow it in the podcast? Uh, um, ladies of the night or men of the night if it's a man. Okay. They, they refer to Cameron as client. Okay. <laughs> I really, Clarty. It's Clarty, I, what they call I, me. Really, really liked what the Bills did for the people that bought club seats, that middle tier. So they doused everybody in a red light, giving them the experience that they were behind a window uh, in, in Amsterdam, kind of just having a wee chap in the window going, Coo-hoo. I thought it was really nice the entire game. They were just bathed in red light. Um, also, I thought the Cowboys were actually really successful when they were running... Uh, draw plays from passing sets they weren't running um, from what you would look like a typical running formation and that, I thought they were actually really successful when they were doing that, you might see a lot of them doing that going forward um, and one other thing, so last week I was talking about how Jalen Hart slid on a play, he got hit when he after giving himself up and there wasn't a flag, right and now and the game with the Bills and the Cowboys, Dak Prescott slid. Bills defender went over him, didn't actually touch him, went over him, but a flag was thrown for unnecessary roughness. I don't know if they were citing intent, like it was a red card in the Rangers game. Well, he looked like he might be fouled in the box, so we'll give a penalty. Um, and then the Eagles game again, it's not just it's not just Jalen Hurts because I watched the Eagles game, but Jalen Hurts again slid. Defender came in, made contact with his head or forearm, no flag thrown. They've got to work out this inconsistency with their officials. They can't have the appearance of some quarterbacks being protected and others not because it just burns the, the, the flames of um, conspiracy theories everywhere. And if it's the Cowboys, it just burns it even brighter because of the fact that they're such a visible franchise. It's either a case of you need to set out the doctrine very clearly to the officials or start making them even more professional than what they are because it's not it's not working. You can't have some rules for some players, some rules for others. That's not how it works. So the Bills guy would have been better off hitting them because he would have got the same flag. Now exactly. he might have been ejected. Yeah. But might player, the game. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, if Dodson wasn't Dodson wasn't ejected for his hit, which I thought was way worse than anything else. Um, like, he lowered his helmet and then led with the helmet into the face of Dak Prescott. Like, I was like, I was surprised to see that one not get more repercussion than it got. But, yes, I, I totally get the point. And I think that the only thing, and I'm going <laughs> to going to be sound like a better anti-Seahawks person, but the Seattle one is, I, I feel like Seattle often don't get flagged for quite heavy hits, I'm not saying illegal hits, but they hit quite hard and they qu- hit quite heavy. And a lot of that doesn't get flagged in Seattle. When they're away from home, for some reason, it does. And I don't know whether there's an element of the crowd reaction comes into play they're, with that. They're definitely, like this, I, I'm pretty certain they've done scientific studies and like 
one of the reasons why so when people talk about home field advantage they talk about you play better when you're at home and all those things across all sports one of the biggest home field advantages is that it's an intimidating thing for the officials like you feel like oh god everyone's going to be furious if i so you feel like you have to get the calls on the home team right whereas if you get the calls on the road team wrong not that many people in the stadium actually care and this is why we've gone 357 years without a penalty at Ibrox for the away team. But there you go. Um, we'll come back to more on the Bills-Cowboys game. Jacksonville Jags, Trump Hall against the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens didn't necessarily play phenomenally well, but they did exactly what they needed to do. As I likely had a great game, uh, looks like a... It just looks like Mark Andrews. It's just, just unreal. The way he moves, it's the way he turns him to grab the ball. It just is very similar to the way that Mark Andrews plays. And I think he's a perfect replacement for him. And he showed it. It's so good that he gets the proper Stromash treatment by having his first name pronounced Isaiah instead of Isaiah. I think I said, I'll go back and listen to that. I thought I said it right. Isaiah likely. That might be the white wine <laughs> kicking in. Um, uh, good, good player. I think the big thing for me though in this game was uh, the the Ravens weren't that good. The Jaguars were just a lot worse. Um, the Ravens offensive line had Lamar Jackson under pressure a lot. And one of my favorite stats from the NFL this week is Lamar Jackson had three completions on plays where he threw the ball six and a half seconds or later after the snap. The rest of the NFL combined this week had two. It was one of those proper Lamar Jackson goes Houdini games. Like the the Isaiah Likely, I think it was a 26-yard catch, whereby Dwayne Smoot tackles him, and he should go down, but he doesn't. Lamar Jackson throws the ball, throws up a jump ball, and Isaiah Likely comes down with it. And Smoot afterwards is just sitting next to him, and he's like, how did you do that? Like he audibly has heard saying this. Like, I, so he, Lamar Jackson made a cup. He had one horrible play. The interception was really bad. The Jaguars baited him into that. He got a little greedy. But other than that, it was just one of those games whereby he extended a lot of plays. Uh, the, the only real negative was the Keaton Mitchell injury, which is pretty devastating for a, for a guy who doesn't really care about running backs. Um, <laughs> he, Takes a lot for you to say. <laughs> Well, like 25% of his runs this season so far, and he's only had about 40-odd carries, have gone for 10 or more yards. The other Ravens running backs are at like 5.5%. So it's a big loss. And, and the big the big issue for me is uh, it means that Melvin Gordon has been called up to the active roster. And the foreshadowing I saw at the start of the season when he got called up to the practice squad was, oh, great, so the Ravens' season ends on a Melvin Gordon fumble. And now, right as we get into the mid to late December, Melvin Gordon's going to be on the active roster, getting carries for the Ravens, probably in the playoffs. There's never been in the recorded history of mankind any form of success, be it within franchise and organization, with anybody named Gordon. <laughs> how, how bad for my name that a guy can be called Melvin Gordon, and the name you're going to pick issue with on that is Gordon, not Melvin. I'm more concerned about somebody going through high school called Dwayne Smoot. <laughs> um, the last game then, let's turn to you, Ian. The Seattle Seahawks, the Drew Lock coming out party in Seattle happened, but it was only on the last play. Um, a disappointing 
game results. Lots of questions about Jalen Hurts coming into this. Didn't look 100%. Obviously felt he could give it a go. Is this the bottom of the curve, do you think? Is it up from here? What's it's your quite, opinion? It's quite, it's quite interesting the comments that he made about um, some players not being committed. Um, I don't know if that was a sly kind of dig at Darry Slay for getting knee surgery during the season. Um, I, I still think you're going to hear something post-season about how Hurts has actually got some sort of cartilage injury to his knee. It's not a bruise. It's, it's something um, worse. Mm. Um, one thing that I did find frustrating was um, early in the game, James Bradbury had a hold and a crucial kind of fourth and two. Referees flagged it. Fine. Understand that, that that's pass interference. It's okay. Then uh, Jalen Hurts' first interception, um, it was a clear hold by the safety and then he makes the interception. It was pass interference. Clear as clear as you can get and that wasn't called and that would have put the Eagles at the one yard line. They probably would have scored a touchdown and I think they would have won the game. Um, and it's second week in a row where you're coming away frustrated thinking um, this isn't good enough for the amount of money is in, uh, invested in a sport to have such shoddy decision making. But it's you can understand it happens. You think it kind of balances out. Um, the big kind of change for the Eagles was Matt Patricia moving to defensive coordinator. And that purely was because Slay dropped out surgery. There's a checkered history between the two of them. Um, and I don't know if kind of Eagles are getting in the way or whatever. Um, it was interesting to see how it goes kind of going forward. I don't think the Eagles actually played that badly. Um but it would be really nice if the Eagles could actually play a game where it's not pouring rain. If we had six or seven in a row, it's just been pouring rain. <laughs> the, the interesting thing, so watching the game this morning, and I I was getting ready, like thinking about watching the game, like thinking about how we talk about it in the podcast. And I remember last week saying, I'm really interested to see how the Eagles respond because they've been kind of punched in the mouth two weeks in a row in the you know, the the past two games. And I thought about that right as you went to the final drive. Ball in like what the eight yard line for the Seahawks against Drew Locke. Like you you just need to get over the line at that point. You've you know, you've had a couple of really tough weeks. Just get over the line. Just you know, find a play somewhere to, to make to get it done. Um and they they didn't. And to be fair, Drew Locke on that final drive had some really nice throws. The the recognition on the the touchdown to notice the safety coming up so that he had one on one uh, a one on one situation with Smith and Jigba great Julian Love's um, second interception was phenomenal the like toe tap going out of bounds was great it's like full credit the Seahawks I did he tap the toe yes he did that, he there's did. there's that a was... there's a clip I've seen where I'm not sure he I'm not sure he does I... not sure he does I'll see if I can find it. But um, I, I certainly it doesn't, thought... it, it, it doesn't matter anyway because on, on that play, Kenny Gainwell was wide open for a, a 20 yard check down, could have put the Eagles in field goal range. And I think at that point, I think Hurts was probably legitimately exhausted if he'd been suffering with the illness that he had. Yeah. And I think he was just like, I'm just getting rid of the ball. I want this game to be over. You could probably understand it. And the Eagles were trying to manage the game in the fourth quarter. The, there was a run that 
Swift had, and he, he made sure he 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 was tackled in bounds, so the yeah the clock, yeah the clock would keep running. I think the Eagles were trying to actually just play a sensible game and and get it over with, but um, it's kind of just even by losing, they still make it into the playoffs. It's like one of those bizarre occurrences that you get in the NFL. So yeah, I, I just going to very quickly show you this clip that shows the Whoa, top. look at her bosoms, um. I don't think that that toe hits the ground. I mean, maybe it doesn't. To be fair, like I, like it's close, and you can understand why they think it did. It, it's yeah, I certainly so, did. That's the only so, angle I've seen where it doesn't look like it. That but. that's also so grainy, though. That if your call on the field was that it tapped, I don't know that I would judge from that that it didn't. I think I'm not sure that they even had that angle no, available pro- to them. So not. yeah, but. I, is it enough for Pat Mahomes to launch a thirty-minute tirade after the yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that. That's where you would go with that. I, I, the Eagles, though, they are still a really good team. They're still absolutely a threat to go to the Super Bowl. I, it really has kind of come out of nowhere, though, that they've got like some chaos around them, like the changes at defensive coordinator stuff like that. I mean, may, maybe it doesn't quite hit. I don't know. It's. That's I, from the coverage last night. Anyway, if you want to see that, go to uh, at Titans Van. See that, I don't that's know if this not, person's reputable not some, or not, but that, still, that's, that's not something that you could get upset about because it's a, a, an incredibly athletic play for him to go yeah. up and, and do that. It wasn't a good throw. The, uh, the other interception, and it was six seconds left. Right, it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. There was still a hail mary to come. <laughs> Like it's not like it's a massive game swinging decision or anything like that. Speaking of swinging, Paul, anything to add? <laughs> well, I I'll have a go at your quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Nowhere to be seen swinging or not on the field to shake hands with his opposite number at the end of the game. He's I, I probably stick. he probably didn't want to transmit He's, anything. Yeah, like I I I find it interesting the quarterbacks that we that we really care about whether or not they showed. Any and this is not this is not a reflection on yourself, Paul, but where the where the media and stuff react, there is a certain type of quarterback who uh, the media seem to get very focused on what they do and don't do um, post game. Tom Brady, anytime he lost a game, was miserable as shit and did not always go and shake hands. <laughs> and there was there was very little ever highlighted. By... If he did that early in his career, though, I think it would have been a different story. It's almost like a long career. They let it slide. I agree with your point completely. But I think with that one, it's like, it's Tom Brady. Oh, he's really taken that hard because he's not used to defeat a uh, 20-year career, Maybe. so Maybe. and so on. But, like, Marcus Mariota's the next man up, right? Mariota's not a bad quarterback. It might have been worth just putting him in there. Rest in hurts. Get him fit. Here's the other thing. Keep him away from the team because I'm sure he's in the same locker room, right? If he's got the flu, then he's potentially impacting multiple people for the game against the Giants next week. Now, the Eagles should win out from here and it should be absolutely fine. But all it takes is like four or five key players to be hit by the flu and that performance starts to linger through the team and then they're all just a bit knackered. That could have a more devastating impact. Ian, if you... So if the Eagles win the... If the Eagles can wrap up the division in the next couple of weeks... Even if the number one seed is still in play, but you need the 49ers to lose, does there get a point whereby you think it's worth resting hurts, even if it means we're out of the running for the number one seed, versus keeping trying to push for the number one seed 
you then don't get it and he hasn't had a break when it it really looks like he does need like between the knee injury between the illness it looks like he could just do a week off just to just to rest a little bit i'm not sure he would accept that maybe I'm not, not. Sure. he's I'm not a sure. very competitive guy so i'm not I mean, sure he's not the type of person to he's not going to pull he's not going to pull a new york jets backup quarterback basically and say oh i'm, I'm not ready um he's he's the kind of guy that if you it's very telling see when something happens to a quarterback uh like he's hit out of bounds or whatever it's very telling seeing the reaction of his teammates uh, to to what happens so you'll sometimes get offensive linemen running 60 yards to just smack whoever it was that hit them and sometimes nothing happens and it is it's kind of testament to how they're viewed as the kind of de facto leader in that team. And I think with Hurts, I think every single player, especially in offense, is fully behind him and they don't question him. In terms of like leadership in the, the NFL, he's probably top five of just like one of the guys that you want to to kind of galvanize the rest of the, the players in your your franchise. He, he's not a show off. He's incredibly hard working. He, he, he's, he, Maybe has a higher running work workload than most running backs in the NFL, so his toughness isn't questioned. Um, and I don't actually think physically as a coach you could put the argument to him to say, "Listen, don't don't play this game, set it out." I don't think he would even count this. Remember, the, he's he's the quarterback who they said, "Listen, um, don't come out for the second half of this uh, national championship game. We'll play to a Tagovailoa instead." And that's probably still ingrained in the back of his mind. Like, I am never coming out again if I can help it. So it's it's kind of it's um, double edged sword. Highly competitive, but is he is he um, burning himself out? You don't know. But the, the the counter to that is he will just hand the ball off forty times a game and don't worry about it. You've got one of the best <laughs> offensive lines in the league. There's ways around it. And you're playing the Giants twice and the Cardinals as well. So he could he could win out just running the ball from here. No do you know? Do you know what I think the biggest problem is in the NFL? Wide receivers. I think they ruin the game. You we're talking about Pickens earlier on not blocking. You know for a fact that AJ Brown is chirping and. Um, Jalen hurts his ear constantly. I'm open. I'm always open. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. So we're on the one yard line. We're going to the tush push. No, 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 no. Pass it to me instead. It's it's constant. So um, I, I think there's part of that pacification that that maybe kind of gets in the mind of some coaches and quarterbacks that maybe takes them out of what's a more sensible strategy. I would I would love to see the Eagles, and you can't you can't do it obviously because. Hurts is injured a little bit, but if you could just show up and just every single play, tush push, just spend the whole game, like first drive, get the ball, whole quarter, you gain four yards of play and just drive down the field, score. Other team do whatever they do, you get the ball again, you run out the second quarter, score, like it'd be horrible for people to watch. Next networks would hate it. But imagine how demoralizing it would be. And you can easily gain three yards or so at a time running that play with the weight with the weight. Because it's not like so quarterback sneak when they go over the top, you're only gaining like half a yard when you do that, a yard at most. But the tush push you can easily gain three, four yards every time because the whole thing's just moving forward. 
They've started penalising the Eagles now. That's two weeks in a row we've had penalties that you've never heard of. So that um, this week we had, oh, the centre moved the ball. And you're like, what? He just he put, he put his hand on it, picked up to put his hand on it. He, he, you're allowed to adjust it slightly to make sure you've got a good grip. It's raining. He's making sure. Oh, flag him. Flag, oh, false start. You see Kelsey just like, what? I'm like, I'm, I'm 36 years old. I'm the, the oldest consistent starter in the NFL. That penalty's never been called in the history of the league. I probably know more about American football than all of the zebras put together. I mean, I as in Kelsey, not me. And uh, I, I, I still think it's good. Will come out this week saying, "Oh, we're, we're, we're not. It's not definite. We're going to ban the tush. Of course, you are. Of course, you're going to ban it. Uh, the, the networks hate it. They, they even any never refer to 1920s football. It's wiped out the game completely. It's like the Sky referring to football before 1991. It doesn't exist. They've never heard of Jimmy Greaves, Harry Kane's the greatest goal scorer ever. Never mind Dixie Deans. Uh, <laughs> I I just think I, officiating this year there is a weird thing whereby there feels to be like a certain emphasis on certain things. And late in the season, previous seasons, it's like, oh yeah, the emphasis in the end and officiating this season's pass interference, it's defensive holding. Start of the year happens and you get a lot of plays that gets flagged and then things settle a little bit. This year, it feels as if they started emphasizing stuff at the start. It petered off a little bit and now it's come back up again. They're starting to do it. So like the offensive players lining up offside is now something we're seeing called three times a week. The one that I I just fundamentally is wrong, and I don't care what reason they have for it being right, they're wrong, is the way they're enforcing intentional grounding. They hit Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence with one on Sunday Night Football, whereby they're, hit, they're trying to throw the ball to a receiver. You can literally see the player they're trying to throw the ball to. They're hit as they throw, so the ball doesn't get to the receiver and doesn't get to the line of scrimmage on intentional grounding. Like, just say the words out loud, intentional grounding. That's clearly not what that is. There was ones earlier in the season for Josh Allen, whereby it was like a miscommunication where the receiver ran in, Josh Allen threw it out. Like, intentional grounding is, I am throwing this ball away because I'm under pressure and I don't want to take a sack. No, I'm throwing this at a receiver. I would much rather they, they did it for the ones whereby they clearly throw it into the ground. Like if you're actually trying to hit a receiver and you get hit as you throw, it's not intentional grounded. But even their explanation for it is, oh, the quarterback was hit as he was throwing, but the ball didn't get back to the line of scrimmage. Okay, why the fuck do we want that to be a penalty? Yeah, I I only think it's an intentional grounding if you're actually sitting there with an American two wire plug and you introduce a brown wire as well at the same time. <laughs> right, we're going to turn our attentions to the nominations. We've not even done team of the week yet, good lord! But we've flipped this around a little bit. See structure. We went through the games. We discussed each one. We had a little moan. We went off track, but it's all been to an agenda. I'm glad I'm back. Right, um, let's go through the nominations. We've got one for Aidan O'Connell from Stephen Bryson. Anytime your team puts up 60-plus points, you should be in the mix. Maybe not even a start next season, but great marker to put down. Baker Mayfield gets a whole bunch of nominations. Can, apart can, I, from just, one... can I just counter? I don't yep. think we should ever nominate anybody whose name sounds like they work social media at Celtic's website. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 
that's not Baker Mayfield, I assume. Nope. The um, Baker Mayfield fantastic performance to record a perfect quarterback rating. Bucks now favourite to win the division. Four touchdowns simply says Ronald. Quite a few there. Uh, Drew Locke gets two nominations. Ross Sterling says, as much as Cameron will choke on reading this, his game-winning drive uh, passes Big DK and JSN were unreal. Couple that with a humble post game where he gives all the credit to his teammates means he deserves the belter. I'll finish this and I'll come back to it. CMC, too obvious a choice in Cameron's team will uh, win enough individual awards at the end of the season when Brock takes MVP, CMC takes offensive uh, player of the year. Not sure on either, but fine. Uh, I completely agree. I think DK Metcalf on that final drive was tremendous. Like two absolutely huge catches. That final drive was clinical. I, I thought they looked superb. And here's the question going forward, do you start Drew Locke or do you start Geno Smith? Is it Drew Locke's time? No, you start Geno Smith. He's your starter. Drew, oh. Drew Locke has guaranteed himself, though, full career as a backup in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Good for him. Can I just point out, as somebody who, who lacks the facility to have a haircut, that Drew Locke's haircut is absolutely atrocious for an incredibly <laughs> rich man. <laughs> James Cook gets a bunch of nominations, 170 yards and a couple of touchdowns against a hot Cowboys team was definitely belter-worthy. Fantastic performance from Cook and the Bills to completely dominate the Cowboys. Jared Goff gets one great bounce-back game against a supposedly good Broncos. T. Higgins gets a couple, other than the Raiders breaking their franchise scoring record just four days after being shut out. This was the highlight of the week. Phenomenal play and turning a waiting-to-be-picked back foot throw whilst running backwards by Jake Browning. Honourable mention for the Bills running the Bell, the Cowboys into the ground too. Uh, the Miami Dolphins gets one from Mark McEwen, proved that they still have it without Hill. Defence with a dominant shutout. Okay, it was only the Jets. Cowboys next, who look vulnerable, is game of the weekend. We'll come to that in a bit. And then the Raiders get a nomination from Paddy Kelly. Come on. They weren't getting any other awards this year. 63 points, franchise record, and I'm sh and I'm sure I could... That's not I, Cameron's broadband going down. That was Cameron going down. Just that was my reading capabilities. I'm going to request that people add commas to these because I really struggle sometimes. Right, come on. They weren't getting any other awards this year. 63 points, franchise record, and I'm sure they could have hit the NFL record had they not taken pity on Brandon Staley and co. in the fourth quarter. Made staying up late for a dead rubber well worth it. Apparently, when Staley was called into the owner's office on Friday morning, he asked for one more chance. One more fourth and 25 from his own 15-yard line. Dead robbers a family planning nightmare. <laughs> yes, indeed. And then there's six nominations for Christian McCaffrey with his performance. 187 yards, three touchdowns. The play where he fell down, managed to collect himself, get back up and take it into the end zone. Absolutely tremendous. What a player. Uh, lots of chat about Purdy for MVP, but surely he should be McCaffrey. This man is arguably the best player in the NFL at the moment. What a signing he's been. Brilliant for the Niners to go and pick him up when they did. Now it looks like an absolute bargain. Uh, I'll just add, all six of those nominations came from me. Uh, so we'll discount that. Beyond that, there are no nominations for Christian McCaffrey. So in spite of me pitching for him to get it this week, I'm going to change. And I'm going to change on a dime. I'm going to say the Raiders because to score 63 points and hit a franchise record is phenomenal. With a backup quarterback in a season where they've got their interim head coach 
You don't get you do not see that often. So for me, I'm going in early with this. It's the last Vegas Raiders. I'm gonna say that it's actually goes to someone who's actually done something that we see most weeks on the podcast. And it's someone who made Cameron Hobbs look like an absolute idiot. And that's James Cook. <laughs> Bill, I just don't think the Bills running attacks good enough this season. Not an idiot, just, just wrong. Just, Not an idiot. Just wrong. No, both. You're just both. Wrong. You're you're a wrong idiot. <laughs> uh James Cook was phenomenal this week. The Bills dominated that game from start to finish. They dominated from start to finish because of how good they were uh on the ground. He was the the main the main player they ran the ball with. I think it's James Cook. Ian. Yeah, I think no, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, clearly you're going James Cook, so I'm not coming. I'm gonna mute uh, you. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean for all the reasons that Gordon outlined, the biggest impact on the game against what was we set up to be a big game. We wondered what Dallas were on the road. We've seen what Dallas are on the road. Uh James Cook for me, as I say, I think because they dominated so much from start to finish and really gave Dallas no wins. Um yeah, it's gonna be James Cook. Uh, Ian, I feel I question the futility of this exercise. <laughs> uh, it's about late now. We're at week fifteen. I shall just say James Cook. There you go. Let's raise a glass, James Cook. You are the belter of the week, and he goes straight in at running back for our team of the week. Let's get through this quickly. Baker Mayfield, quarterback of the week. Yes, perfect rating. Indubitably. Yeah. Uh, offensive line. The Lions, Eagles. The Lions, Lions, maybe. Yeah. Saints. I think the Lions should be nominated because um, the commentator in the Lions game actually pronounced Graham Glasgow's name correctly. Oh, okay. thank God. Graham, Graham Glasgow can't even do that. Glasgow. High end of the week. Uh, Njoku. Uh, he had a ridiculous catch in the end zone. He did. There wasn't really any great tight end standard performances. Did likely not score two touchdowns. No, he scored one. One. Uh, I. I mean, Njoku. I think had like a hundred yards. Did he not? Not according to this. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong. Th- hang on, I'm looking at the wrong thing. So let me let me come back around. Yeah, Njoku. Njoku had 104 yards on a touchdown. Trey McBride had 102. Um, and Isaiah likely had 70 and one. Fine. It is David Njoku. Was it Njoku that tried to um, hurdle a defender, but the defender didn't go for it? Yeah. Just, yes. That was funny. Oh, who's the guy? Who's the guy that did hurdle and he get he get hit in the plums? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that McBride? Was it McBride? No, I can't remember. Was it, was it, it was, was a it, tight end. Was it Laporta? Yeah, he tried to he tried to hurdle. They get he straight in the the reproductive area. It was quite funny. Everybody loves somebody getting hit in the chuckies. Even Paul. <laughs> He's laughing. People can't see if he's laughing. All when you get a crotch shot. There you go. Who are our wide receivers then this week? Waddle. Higgins. Higgins for the catch alone. Yeah, that's which was just what a what a play. I mean, uh, it it meant something at the time. 
he looked like he was just going to get smacked to go out. It's, it is to me, it's one of the plays of the season. Yeah, it's it's one of the best. It reminded me of um, Antonio Brown uh, back before all the Bob Agri. Uh, yeah. had a play not not the same thing but like to win the game against the Ravens I think it was on Christmas night actually and he got the ball has like two or three guys on him and he just keeps you know stretches the arm out but that T Higgins one like he's on his way to the ground and he just goes reaches over like very 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 impressive play so fine Waddle Higgins are we I'm going to try I have to try are we putting McCaffrey in here as a second option running back no Put in, put, in, put in Chris Godwin he had 155 yards this did, and do you know what it was great to see him back um, and Mayfield knows his man so Godwin in the slot fine so that is our team of the week done in record time Baker Mayfield is our quarterback James Cook is our running back behind the Lions offensive line with David Njoku as the tight end we've got Waddle Godwin and Higgins and that is our team of the week right very very quickly before we do the nom- the 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 draw for the whiskey, which don't let me forget, good Lord, we've got, what have we got to do? We've got four winners to pick tonight. And just anyone that's listened to this actually at the moment as well, I have had a shocker of a year, right? I've My traveling's been all over the place. It's been a disaster. There's no excuse. I have no excuse. I'm way behind on the admin for sorting out the prizes to people. The, the Way behind. We've not even sent out the winners from week one. You've got, so, guide, you've got the guide dog allegations. So, uh, time out. We need we need the Simon Bates arching music under that. It's been a hard year. It has been a hard year. I've, I've, I've had to year. travel a lot, and it, it's, it's not even difficult. it's not even as if Cameron has like started a new podcast that would have distracted his time, which is been, also no, 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 on no, pause no. at the moment because I can't get to it. So, um, picking that back up again in 2024 for listeners. Uh, keep an eye out for the sipping point episode 12 coming all, out after all, the new year. All five years. <laughs> The day that it beats this podcast for numbers, you'll know about it, right? And it's not that far away. Right? Um, so the apologies. I want to apologize. Lock Lomond are sitting waiting for me to send the information on to them. I am denying people their whiskey, and it's cracking whiskey. So here's what we're going to do is, rather than try and drib and drab it now, I'm going to collect them all up at the end of the season, and you're going to have your whiskey by the Super Bowl. So that is an absolute commitment. You will have it before the Super Bowl. So every single winner can sit down together for the big game, crack open their bottle and have a dram together with us. So apologies. I will get to it. It's just been chaotic. And now I'm so far behind. There's a lot of admin to catch up on. We'll do four draws. Before we do that, we need to turn very quickly to week 16. Let's not go too deep into this. Let's just simply look at the fixtures. You choose one game. Is any game worth watching? Yes. Yes. Christmas so night. And I typically have, Boxing Day. It's Boxing I Day. Have a for propos- us. I have okay. a proposition for you, Cameron. Okay. And unlike your propositions, this does not involve sexual favours. My proposition oh. to you is let's add a wee burger bet onto this. And if the 49ers beat the Ravens, then from our running back bet, we can cancel out Dalvin Cook's one. So it would then fall in Ezekiel Elliott, whereby there is still a chance that you get away okay. with it. Okay. However, if the Ravens were to beat the 49ers and then 
Elliot goes under 800 yards, you would owe me a total of four burgers. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I don't want to take this because I don't know that we're <laughs> going to win. Um, I, To be fair, I actually think you do, you are going to win. Uh, I just wanted some entertainment to add to this. Um, I don't back my team, and this would result in me backing my team. So, Right, so do you know what? Because we don't back our teams, we'll flip it then. <laughs> Why not flip it? So no, that if the... I'm absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> betting with you. Because then, then if the... No. It's a it's a fair it's a fair thing. No, back but then if team, the Ravens lose, you get four your, burgers, and then your, if back your team once, uh, once it's going to backfire. The Ravens are going to win. I'll take your bet. Good. It's I'd definitely be game happy. of the week. I'd be quite happy with one burger for Ezekiel Elliott not going over and the Ravens winning. <laughs> so I have tricked you into I don't know. It's probably like a triple jinx at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, fine. So any other games that are worth watching? Uh, Paul Rams Saints. Um, brings back fond memories. Yeah, one of my favourite games of all time. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Miguel Michaels will be, oh, he'll be racing to get to LA for that one. He'll be tremendous. It's a horrible time. It's a horrible game. Uh, but I'll still watch it because the Saints have got a chance the division. Best game, again, Dallas-Miami is the one that, that jumps out for me. You know, give that certainly a good look at. The, they've done us a favour this year because the games on Christmas Day are, are the games on actual Christmas Day are not worth watching. The the for us the Niners Ravens is Boxing Day, uh, and the other the, so the three games on Christmas Day itself tip, uh, technically Broncos Patriots Chiefs Raiders Eagles Giants I can I can skip all three I'll be perfectly honest watch the highlights done the other decent games obviously Dolphins Cowboys you touched on Bucks Jacks decent. That it's really in, like at some point the Jaguars have to stop the slide, mm. and it's just the the Bucks look. The, the Bucks are coming off a week where their quarterback was somewhere between perfect and pretty good. The last one is Tex- Texans Browns. Texans Browns also pretty entertaining. Yeah, pretty decent. Spe- especially if Stroud's back. If Stroud yeah. isn't back, then I think the Browns win that pretty comfortably. Yeah, it's it definitely hinges on him. Right, couple of rants that we'll cover very quickly. The DeMonte KZ says Stephen Bryson hit. Looked bad, but not sure what else he was supposed to do. It's the receiver flying through the air towards him, not the other way around. Tries to avoid hitting with a helmet. Shockingly suspended for the rest of the season. Rest of the hits find for are also not that bad. Has he been, like, suspended before? Because it does seem like a pretty excessive time to be out for unless he's previously been suspended like Kareem Jackson getting suspended for the rest of the season when he just came back from a two-game suspension and leads with a helmet it's like all right pal you probably deserve that like you've you've been warned significantly at this point we've we've suspended you before we reduced your suspension you're back on the field now and you've decided no no that's the way I tackle that you know okay but um he Casey's been fined five times in the twenty twenty three season. Then I don't have a ton of sympathy, to be honest. Like, so yeah, that if that's yeah, that's probably an accumulation. That's like you've picked up twenty seven yellow cards. We've not been paying attention. You need to face a ban now. So yeah, fine. Uh, it's an interesting one. So um, 
the the wonderfully named Drew Peacock has uh, his rant is that he's starting to get annoyed with the amount of Jason Bell on TV. He is a special teams player at best, and now he's in adverts. It's like Kirk Broadfoot advertising State Farm during US TV coverage of the Premier League. I looked this up before, and I've actually got some data on him from when he played, I'm sure. Broadfoot yeah. or Hill? Uh, uh, Bell. Bell. Bell, yes, not Bell. Hill. 2006 season, he played 229 snaps. He was okay. He probably like I he was he was okay in coverage. He wasn't he wasn't terrible. Um so you know but I I don't I think he tries a little too hard, probably the politest way that I could describe that. I think Sky Setup has I think Phoebe Schechter's really, really good. Um and that's probably she can talk the game. She can yes. talk about this, the analytics. She can actually describe what's happening as a play. Uh, Jason Bell's just a bit of loud, loud noises and excitement. Um, I think this is how people are trained these days, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've had I've had conversations. At second week in a row, I'm just trusting the fact that no one at my work uh, like listens to this podcast, but. I've had conversations with people higher up in my company who are like, oh, you know, like our, our really successful podcast. What if we just had them like be a bit more shouty and argumentative? It's like... Which is what we did. Cause our kinda, podcast. Kind of everyone does that. Yeah, 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 just, yeah. Ours isn't like, ours is like, you know, a bit daft and whatnot. <laughs> like the the American model. Let's, like, let's, ch- let's, let's Charles is on. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we, we have both substance and style... And we have Charles, so we're yes. fine. Uh, unfortunately, substance that, that and style won't. Have... Yeah, <laughs> substance, style, and Charles. There's a new tagline for our. Podcast. I was going to say like that, that. Subs, subs, uh, substance and style are currently on IR and unavailable this week. But hey, um, moving on, the Atlanta Falcons gets one from Steve Briggs. They've drafted a ton of offensive talent in the last few years, and they've managed to score seven points in a loss to the worst team in the league. Seven points. Not only that, and yes, it's the real reason for my rant, they potentially jeopardise the Bears' number one draft pick. And the Panthers play the stinky cheese balls next, too. There's no way that the Panthers are beating the Packers. They're like, the Packers have had two stinking weeks. They're not that bad. They're not that bad. Did we mention the end of the Chicago game? Yes, yes, we did. With a uh, ball getting booted into the stratosphere. Yeah, but also the the, the, the potential touchdown at the end, which yes. seemed to hit the guy's hands all over the place. So I, yes. I was I was away for a couple of months. There's there's been some great plays o- over the last weeks, and I think it's interesting. We've got a lot of bad quarterbacks, but we've still got a lot of decent decent games. So I think that's not too bad. The the other thing I don't know if everyone will know this, but yeah, yeah, I know it. I know it. <laughs> I, th- I thought you'd know it. To be I, fair, I, I knew you would know it. So it's for the uneducated. I'm saying this. So Cameron, um, so <laughs> what? What Darnell Mooney does on that play is so that's the way you coach a hail mary. Is you have people going up to try and jump and catch the ball, but you also have people if you're not going to be able to catch it, tip it so that it keeps the ball alive, and you have one player who drifts away from the. Uh, to use our own name and he then has to catch the ball and it it sounds really easy in in saying it like oh yeah just like everyone jumps up one of our guys gets it he bats it and you have to bat it away like back up the way and and someone catches it but 
it's not easy to catch a ball that gets batted like the shape of that ball it doesn't come down in a nice easy way to catch and that's why like that looked like and we had people i think it was johnny in the the patreon chat being like oh it's the bears tanking darnell mooney's 100 percent trying to catch that it's just he's he's down on the ground or he's fallen down to the ground in that position and it just doesn't come out a way that is the natural way to catch a ball these guys are used to catching things that are coming towards them in spirals and all those things so it's a really interesting way that Hail Marys work and just how even when you get the whole form of it correct it's still very difficult to get right Speaking of Johnny Bailey his rant Steelers are a mess starts from the top I thought we had a decent draft in free agency, but it seems like the players have stopped performing for Tomlin. Trade him for some draft picks. Starts from the top. He wants to get rid of the Mooney family. Rooney family. Rooney family. Yes. Yeah. I I am just disappointed that this has come in late December from Johnny. Because if this had even come on this date last month, I would have listened to it on repeat so many times that it would have beat... <laughs> How Taylor Swift and Maggie Rogers to be top of my Spotify wrapped. Everything. Johnny Bailey's Steelers tears in that chat are giving me life. And he keeps his only comeback as he brings up the wee stat muse image of like Lamar Jackson is three and five against the or something like that against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And every time he says it, I'm like, that's the only comeback you've got. And he's like, ah, it has the desired effect though. Like, not not when you're sending in rants about how you want it send your entire franchise to the XFL it doesn't yeah, if there's anybody that, that listens to this podcast and wholeheartedly dis- disagrees with the views of any of our presenters whatsoever you can join our Patreon chat and you can exclusively pour scorn upon anything that anybody likes for example do you fully support the guide dogs uh, for the blind then why don't log into Patreon and have a good go at Cameron for what he's done or you can criticise Paul for a variety of beards that he's worn over the years None of which were his own. No, I was waiting for that. From uh, uh, right. Can we just send Kadarius Tony to the Canadian Football League? The balls are bigger, so maybe he'll be able to catch them. His drops are killing the team, and even Mahomes looks done with him at this stage, says Ross Sterling. He is having a very bad season. Yes, yes. I think that um, sums it up. I think that's not much to say. I don't think he's going to have much of an impact based on what we've seen so far. We could be wrong. We could be wrong. We were wrong about Jordan Love. We could be wrong about well, Darius Tony. Where are we wrong well, about Jordan we? Love? Where are we? Where we'll we'll we? come back to that. We'll come back I, to that. To, to well, use, to that use... That's a fish cast question. Are we wrong about Jordan Love? There you go. Um, and, and that is the drop of the fish cast. That will be our next episode. But more to come on that. Um, did, we so, what, did we decide what Paul's drinking? No. Oh, we didn't. We Just find it in the chat. Someone do that while I'm reading out the next rant. So Kenny Law, his is, my rant was going to be against Joe Barry, but given he's still in employment, my rant is now against Matt Lafleur. His failure to sack Joe is a complete failure against him, spitting in the face of the fans. He said there were communication errors on Sunday. What about every other week where he's been shown up to be completely incompetent over the last three years? Some of it was so bad that I yearned for the return of Mike Pettin. 
The Packers still have a 95% chance of making the playoffs if they win their last three games, all of which are winnable in general. However, it's nigh on impossible while that fraud is still DC. We've given career games to Baker Mayfield, Tommy DeVito, Desmond Ridder, Bryce Young must be excited for the weekend. With Barry still employed, MLF can pack his shit at the end of the season as well. Do you know that Mike Pettine Beautifully is... written, by the way. Commas everywhere. Made it very easy to read. Thanks, Kenny. He knows any assist is welcome. Thanks, Kenny. Well, Mike Pettine was so well received in uh, Montreal, Canada, that they actually named a French fries and curds-based dish after him. And also, if coaches were to spit in the face of fans, should that be allowed for the amount of abuse they receive? That seems balanced. Maybe one of the, choose one of the super fans, like that guy that fireman aid at the, the Jets. You just get Robert Salah and go up in the third quarter and you could just spit at him for five minutes. I think that would be good television. Uh, as an would. update, I have found it from the chat and I've mm. got I've got some bad news, but not for Paul, for us. So there are I think nine options or something in there. Uh of them, wine has one vote. Beer, whiskey, gin and tonic, vodka have no votes. Brandy and champagne have three votes each. Uh, only one person sided with me for dirty pint. Uh, Uzo has one vote, and a another has nine votes, and that means that we actually have to break it down further, according to Charles's men. <laughs> no, it means I get to choose. So thank you very much indeed. I appreciate that because because you couldn't decide on a single beverage, it comes back to me and my choice, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed. Well, now I'll be choosing Mud Dog Twenty Twenty. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've had a sneak peek at one of my Christmas presents I will be bringing as my alcoholic drink for the Pishkast cider. Oh, oh. Mm. Uh, is this traditional or will it be a, a new flavoured one? Uh, I'm a traditionalist, you know that. There's no way I'm drinking so, that rubbish. Cider is only ever made for apples, all this flavour. I know you're a traditionalist. I know trying to talk you out of the mystery position every single time, Paul. Try something new. <laughs> nope, I'm a traditionalist. Okay, boring sex again it is, Paul. <laughs> um, anyway, enough of Scrumpy Jack, and let's move on. Scotrail for forcing me to go through Edinburgh to get back to Aberdeen and having to watch the Cowboys game, which I wish I'd skipped, on my phone while standing on a ridiculously overcrowded train. Cameron Christie. I think Cameron Christie had a bad weekend. Cameron, I feel it. Um, should have been a penalty. Right, um, Gavin Newlands, his rant. Bloody well everything. Been too busy to contribute with the world falling apart at the seams. But anyhow, just how dysfunctional can an NFL organisation be? Is there a team out there that has been run as badly as the Raiders over the last 20 years? I didn't pick the Raiders for Belter because the Chargers, a contender for dysfunction, by the way, absolutely phoned it in. As good as the Raiders executed... The Chargers were horrendous. So my question to the guys is, you're the Raiders' owner, haircut not obligatory, what do you do? The players love AP, but he's fairly limited from a coaching standpoint. Is it fine to have a head coach who motivates and sets direction while leaving scheme design and overall control to both coordinators? Do you roll with Aidan O'Connell for a year? Do you trade Tay? Do you tear it down and start again for the umpteenth bloody time? If so... Who's a good fit for the Raiders? It sure as hell isn't Belichick, as well as being a total tosser, he's far too successful for the Raiders. Sorry for the length of this, it's just frustrating as hell. What love, do the Raiders I do? love the fact 
that this rant comes in for the Raiders in a week where they scored 63 points. That's incredible. That, that's So he's not wrong in a lot of the, the, the things there. What I will say, we've already answered the Aidan O'Connell question. I think they probably are heading in with him as the starter next season. For head coach, it is absolutely fine to have Antonio Pierce as your head coach as a motivator. Like, there's different types. There's head coaches who are also the offensive coordinator, also the defensive coordinator. In Baltimore, uh, John Harbaugh is not. He's a CEO. What you have to be able to do if you're the CEO type of head coach, though, is you have to be able to hire a good offensive coordinator and a good defensive coordinator. If if you sit down with Antonio Pierce after the season and he puts together a, a plan for how he would approach it as head coach and he gives you a list of offensive coordinators who are good offensive minds and the same for defence, then hire him. It's fine. But if he but if he says, we're going to keep the status quo from the staff that we have kind of here at the end of the season and add some guys, then no, I probably wouldn't hire him. I, I think you've got to speak in defence of, I mean, it, Gavin's quite right. He knows dysfunction when he sees it because he sees it across the aisle, um, but just about every single day. Uh, are you, you talking check... about? Are you talking about his wedding day? My God, Paul, that's controversial. <laughs> yeah, you you are highly unkind as always. Um, who will it be? I mean, realistically, Ben Johnson from the the Lions is likely to get a shout. Um, you know, Boris Johnson, I think, you know, should be in with a shout. He can bluster his way through absolutely anything. No, it depends he, whether you... He, he looks too much like Mark Davis. You'd never tell well, him Well, I was going to say Mark Davis is probably, there's probably a family link in there somewhere. But if the Raiders want somebody who's able to keep track of the WhatsApp messages, uh, somebody like Ben Johnson apparently knows how to use a mobile phone. So it'll be it, was ad- it was actually the emails that got the Raiders into trouble before not WhatsApps. So it was it was a governmental. No, um, no, I, I, I know. I, I got I yeah. got your joke. I was just what I was doing, Paul. What I was doing, Paul. I like stand up comedy, and sometimes what happens is the stand up comic will actually go back to a, a joke from in the past. The joke for the Raiders in the past being when John Gruden got fired. So I was just giving it a little kickback to that. Sorry, God, we, we must we must rehearse that next time. You know, if the double act's going to work, we've got to, we've got to do a bit more rehearsal there. Um, Steve Wilkes is the next San Francisco defensive coordinator to go and get a head coach job because this is the trend of the last couple of years Um, obviously he didn't do particularly brilliantly in Arizona in his single year did okay in Carolina in 2022 I wonder whether Steve Wilkes might just head out to the desert and pick things up in Vegas maybe I don't know maybe I, I think if you're the Raiders, having a coach that, that struggled as a head coach previously, I don't know that that is going to... I mean... The message they, coming out of the, the 49ers defenders is that they're being more aggressive this year, which I think will just tick so many boxes in Vegas to the I, ownership out there, that they'll be like, that's what we want. That's what we want our team to be. It's also the Raiders are probably likely to be in a position of beggars can't be choosers. And yeah. I think this season there could be a very high number of head coaches available. Yeah. Um, okay, right. It's time to wrap things up for this one. We've been prattling on. It's a bumper edition. Almost two uh, hours. Jesus and I'm Christ. trying... Well, no, we prattled on at the beginning for a bit, so we've not been recording as long as that. But the... Um, I'd need to do just a tiny little bit of editing tonight, I think. There's only... I think you don't there's have only... to 
three things that Ian said tonight. That's my tally. Winners. That's what I'm doing right now. That's what I'm doing right now. You don't have to edit out my reference to prostitution because you okayed that. Yeah, that's not one of the things. And it was about the Buffalo Bills. They've they they do bar worse than their parking lots. You see them with their tables. <laughs> right, Ian, first number between one and twenty for this week's winner. I am going to choose number fourteen. Number fourteen is Jason Hoffman. There we go. Back in the chat. Did, did, a bottle of did I just did I just reference the Buffalo Bills and then you picked him out that <laughs> Yeah. Fantastic. So he can't even be angry at you now. <laughs> uh, right, we'll go back to last week where I apologised for not being able to get these over. There was a bit of a disaster on my side, um, and I just didn't get it done. So, Paul, seeing as you suffered the consequences of that, I'll have a number between 1 and 21. Number one. Number one is Lee Kirkwood. I'm writing these down. Is, is Lee a boy or a girl? Lee is a boy. And in our Patreons... Are, are, are you sure? I believe. I'm pretty certain. Okay. Um, so Lee we can be we... the best person he or she wants to be as our DIE officer or DEI officer. That's DIE? Right. Yeah, um, definitely, not, definitely not DUI officer. <laughs> How many DUIs can you get by mainlining Coke Zero? <laughs> hey, it takes a lot of work, that. <laughs> yeah. The, um, right. The one and twenty, Gordon, for the week thirteen winner. It's highly disappointing because I had a joke queued up about taking Paul's favorite number sixty nine and dividing yeah. by three. Uh, <laughs> let's go with number fifteen. Number fifteen is Olivia Ramage, and then we've got one more number to go. So. Uh, I'm coming back to you, Ian. This one's between 1 and 17. Um, let's go for the amount of guide dogs currently accusing you of crimes. Let's go for number five. Number five is Kevin Fippin. Congratulations to all of our winners. We will... Kevin, you'll be very glad that uh, this was recorded on Tuesday evening because by Thursday morning, that number might have doubled. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I don't even know what this reference is. Was this the last week's podcast that I haven't had the chance to listen to? Properly? No, it was just whatever Ian came up with at the start. All right, okay, that's fine. Right. Uh, so there you go. That's our winners. Uh, we do need to go through and sort some admin. Like I say, I will be in touch with all these people in the new year to get their address details. We'll get those bottle of whiskeys out to you. Beyond that, gentlemen, anything else that anyone wants to add? No, just a big reminder to everybody, it is our Pishcast coming up next week, uh, which we're thoroughly looking forward to. It should be a full house of fine NFL Scotland stramash folks all getting together with an alcoholic beverage. Just have a little bit of fun. So it's we look worth, forward to it. I was just because it's worth adding two things. One, Gordon has changed his travel plans to be able to come to this. So we should have all six of the team. And two, Charles has confirmed the quiz will be back. So that is what everyone looks forward to the most. Keep an eye out because we'll be asking you for talking points, as we always do. I might go and, if I can find some time, pull together a little tra trailer based on some of our highlights from last time. But that's full-time muscle for this episode. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Thanks for all your nominations. Thanks for taking part. Thanks for being a Patreon if you are. Thanks for just being great, and thanks for enjoying the NFL.
and we hope that you have a wonderful Christmas. Enjoy your time, hopefully with your family and friends, have a great turkey or whatever you wish to eat. And Ian, Cameron, Gordon, Jamie, Charles and myself will all be back to raise a glass to the end of year and our annual Pishcast. But from us all, Merry Christmas. Bye for now. Merry Christmas to everyone apart from the San Francisco 49ers. Screw you!